Welcome, everybody. It's time for another episode of Asher Sales Sense, brought to you by Asher Strategies, the only global sales training company that integrates leading sales methodologies and the latest neuroscience studies into a simple and repeatable 10-step process for sales success. I'm Susan Finch, your announcer for Asher Sales Sense. And I'm Dave Potts in the Asher Strategy Studio in Washington, D.C. Our host today is Kyle O'Connell, Senior Sales Facilitator and Coach at Asher Strategies. Kyla's guest is Leo Knapper, CEO and producer at Vicker Studios, creating entertaining and informative media turning viewers into customers. Vicker Studios, headquartered in the Washington, D.C. area, plans and oversees TV and film projects, advertising campaigns, and design marketing and brand identities for discerning clientele. Thank you, Dave. Hi, Leo. It's so nice to have you here today. How are you? I'm doing really well, and I'm really glad to be able to do this with you guys. I've been you know, listening to the podcast for a while since you guys started it, and it's really cool to see a podcast still going. You guys have made it, I think, past the growing pains, and you guys really turned it into something. Oh, thank you. Yes, I'm really happy you're here with us, too. I've had the benefit of working with you individually as you've recorded me several times and your company, and it's always been a wonderful experience. I'm glad you're here today. Fantastic. Thank you. So the video business seems to kind of go up and down. I think there's so much demand now for more video on the internet. That's how we're getting all of our you know, news today. And we're encouraging all of our companies to invest in video portals and tell their stories through video. How did you get into the video business? All right. So I'm going to try to make a long story short-ish. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So I went to school after being in the military, I was in the Navy, did my time in the Navy. And I said, you know what, there's something I've always wanted to do since I was a little kid, since watching Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom for the first time. Oh yeah. And I said, no, you remember that one? Oh yeah. That's a favorite. (laughs) I was like the hated one. (laughs) That was one of my favorites. Everybody's like, that's not the best one. But to me, that was the best one because it was the first one I saw. Yeah. And I saw this, I saw this archaeologist and he was out there having adventures and I said, you know, it was between Indiana Jones and Rambo (laughs) at the time. And I said, I probably don't want to just go and be Rambo. So I think uh, I think this is a better fit for me as archaeologists, you know, having adventures and everything that Hollywood basically sold me, which it wasn't until after the military. I went to school for anthropology, which is basically the overarching discipline for archaeology. And I found out most of my time in archaeology would be spent in a library somewhere mm. doing research. I think a lot of people that were into Indiana Jones and the adventures that they saw on screen, you'd be surprised how many people were just like me said, oh, yeah, I watched this movie and it, and it inspired me. And then I found out how much research is involved. And then I got a major in English or something, you know, right. went completely 180 somewhere else and but for me, I, I still was interested in languages, cultures, people in general. I just love people. And instead of going the archaeology route, I went the cultural anthropology route because of my love for, like I said, people and languages and cultures. And I went to Mason, so I'm a Mason alumni, George Mason University. Mm-hmm. And we had a great, awesome program. Absolutely fantastic, multidisciplinary program. The cool thing about anthropology is that it focuses on humans. So if you can imagine pretty much anything humans do in this world, there is an anthropological study of that thing, right? One thing that I found really difficult was 
if you get an anthropology degree, what the heck do you do once you're done with your degree? What kind of job can you get? I mean, it's really bad trying to find a job outside of academia. Mm. You know, those are really your choices. So what I ended up doing was I did an internship with the American Anthropological Association for a semester. And one of the things that they had me do, you know, as an intern, lowly intern, was help on two projects. One was the race project, which is very interesting with all the stuff that we're kind of seeing right now with race relations and just the social environment today in the United States. Also, the other project I was on was figuring out what could anthropology majors do with their degree, not in the traditional anthropological space. And what I found was, I can't remember her name, but I think her name was Catherine Bell, but she had worked for IBM and some other big tech companies. And she made sure that when they would go into other cultures doing their marketing and sales, that they didn't completely screw the pooch when it came to marketing because of a cultural barrier or something that they didn't know was going to not go over well with that particular culture that they were selling to. I said, Ooh, that's interesting. I like that. I can use my anthropology and my other love, which, which is media and marketing. I can marry those up together. And it was at that point, this is back in like 2011. It was at that point that I said, you know, I think that's what I'm going to do. And, uh, it was a few years later. I'd, I'd gotten my degree. I'd kind of been out in the professional space outside of the military for a while. And I finally said, uh, yeah, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do it for real. I met a guy who became a really good friend of mine who was an editor in film and video marketing. And I said, hey, man, you want to um, help me with this business, kind of start this thing and see if there's a need for it. And that was the birth of uh, Vicker Studios. Oh, Okay. So the IBM model kind of gave you the idea or the pathway, but then you just went right and started your own business right away. Right away. Yep. I wanted to start a business anyway, because when you're in the military, I mean, I don't know if John's ever told you this or if you already had experience with this, but in the military, a lot of times people go in when they get out, they do not want to work for anybody else. They're like kind of done working for other people. Being told what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that was kind of, I I knew I was going to own a business. I just didn't know at that time. I didn't know what. No, I love it. Okay. So I learned that you know Mandarin Chinese. How did that like fit into the new business? Was that something or was that just a personal interest or did you find some reason to do that for business purposes? Well, languages and cultures have always been an interest. I think I was five years old. I grew up in this area. I'm not from DC, but I tell people, yeah, I'm from the DC area because, you know, they obviously don't know Northern Virginia, but I grew up in Northern Virginia and we would go to the Smithsonian every weekend. We'd go to the library. One of the things I loved was hieroglyphics because again, back to the whole Indiana Jones thing, I'm like, what archaeologists (laughs) do? They read hieroglyphics. So I got into learning about that. I went to the library and I got some books on that. And then we'd go to the Smithsonian, we'd go to the Egyptology section, and I would be learning that. And that was sort of the beginning of my love for languages. I grew up with a family that was Colombian. They taught me Spanish okay. and, and, and I got to see their culture and best of all, Colombian food, which mm-hmm. if you like Peruvian food, find some Colombian food. You're going to really love that. It's just, they've okay. got some fantastic dishes. But my other love growing up was actually martial arts. And so I knew that from a young age, I knew that 
if I did go into anthropology and archaeology, I'd want to do it on East Asian cultures and languages. Um, I studied Chinese, Japanese, Korean as a kid, you know, with these barons, I think was one uh, mm-hmm. publisher. And then there was another, I, you know, these old like cassette tape, learn the language, which was really hard to do, by the way. I mean, we have better ways to learn languages now, yeah. but I did that as a kid. And when I finally got a chance in college to do language, it was between Chinese and Japanese. And I did Chinese simply for the fact that I knew how difficult Chinese was compared to Korean and Japanese. And I said, if I can learn Chinese, not only do I learn the characters that Japan, a lot of Japanese uses, the, uh, the kanji, but I'll also learn the hard one first so that when I learn something easier, it'll be easier. And so that's why I majored in that in school. And as far as it being helpful with Vicar, it's not really because I, I don't really cater to, I, I don't cater outside the, the U.S. demographic. Mm-hmm. But if I were to, obviously, it's good that I know none of my talent should be wearing green hats. That's one. There's certain numbers I probably shouldn't use in my ads because those are very unlucky numbers. Okay. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Kyla, it's time to take a quick commercial break. Over 200 correlation studies show that natural aptitude is the most significant factor in predicting sales success. Asher's Advanced Personality Questionnaire, the APQ, consistently identifies peak performers in outside sales, inside sales, sales management, customer support, and 17 other business positions. Go to asherstrategies.com today or call 866 866- 833-9941. That's Asher Strategies at 866-833-9941. We've been speaking with Leo Napper on how to grow your profits with powerful and engaging video content. Now back to Kyla and Leo. So Leo, we were discussing how you learned Mandarin Chinese, and that was kind of fitting into understanding how to market in those cultures too, because there are some numbers that come across as unlucky or colors. I know we have an office in Beijing and I know that, you know, they have told us similar things. Where else have you noticed some of that cultural influence into marketing? Thanks, Kyla. Yeah. And I got to say, it's scary when you think about how many different cultures there are how many stigmas there are, cultural norms, cultural taboos. The scary part is thinking, man, when I put this out, who am I offending that I don't even know I'm offending? <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, obvious ones would be like, if you're trying to market to a Muslim country, I mean, there's certain things like depending on the country, there's certain images that you could put forth or ideas that you could put forth that some countries would be fine with and some other countries would be like, no, we would never air this. We can't show this. This is offensive. And well, when you put religion into it, that's a whole other thing too. Mm. So, so yeah, there, I mean, there, there's, there's so much, there's so much for me specifically, again, I study the Asian cultures and I would say the Chinese probably have the most that I've seen as far as things that you should and should not do. The Japanese and the Koreans definitely have their affinities for certain visuals. And then of course they're, well, I don't want to use the word too, too big, like uh, disgust, but I mean, they do, there are certain things that they, they would be disgusted by. And mm. to have, to have somebody who I think is, especially if you're doing international, any kind of international media, it's really important, I think, to 
be conscious of that. And if, if you're a business, if you're a big business that's doing, you know, that type of work, you really should have an anthropologist or some kind of cultural liaison, I guess, to help you through those waters. Right. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about the name Vicar Studios. Where did that come from? So I was toiling over a name. It, it really came down to like the way it sounded at first. I was like, I, I think I want something that kind of has a, a strong sound to it. I was thinking like V's, T's, something like that, something powerful. Because I mean, even how your your name sounds when other people say it helps with memorability, helps with, do I feel like this is a strong company? Do I feel like this is kind of a weak company? Even down to that, there's there's science even down to that level. And I was thinking, well, I think I want something with V. And then my Christian background, I'm not Catholic, but I, I saw the name Vicar and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And of course, I before the show, I quipped about the Vicar of Dibley, you know, an old TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, oh, Vicar, that it, it sounds good. It sounds strong. But what exactly is that? And it's got sort of a religious ties to it. But what is a vicar exactly? And a vicar is Latin, I believe, for basically someone who speaks on behalf of someone else, somebody who comes representative of right. something, something greater. And I said, oh, that's actually a perfect example of what I want our company to be. I want us to be a sort of a mouthpiece or a, a representative of the companies that we work for. So hence the name Vicar Studios. Yeah, I love it. That's great. Symbolic and still fits the kind of language component you were looking for. Right, exactly. So you say at Vicar, you have storytelling down to a science. And we teach the importance of storytelling in our sales training course as well. In fact, when you really watch the elite salespeople sell, it does not appear that they are selling. A lot of the time, they're just telling stories about successful client engagements and their return on their investment with, you know, the company they're representing. And a lot of it has such amazing impact on the prospect. What do you mean by, I mean, is it neuroscience or is there another science? Cause we teach kind of the neuroscience behind it, but maybe you could tell us what you mean by it. Yeah. And that's one thing I love about Asher strategies and, and the things that you guys have been doing. It makes a lot of sense to me, a social scientist. Anthropology is multidisciplinary, meaning that you're looking into a lot of different areas uh, for human beings, including psychology, ethnography. That's the study of basically their, their culture and their language. I mean, everything that has to do with people, you are studying the elements that make up meaning to those people. And when you think about meaning, meaning really is what, as far as like salespeople go, we're searching to create meaning to other people, to create meaning for what we do and for what we're trying to sell. Storytelling is one of the oldest arts that the human being has. I mean, before the written language, you had storytelling. Storytelling is actually how we frame our paradigms, how we, how we understand the world around us. It's always by comparison to how you understand a story you know so when you look at like say hollywood and this is another reason why i love that vicar studios doesn't just do marketing we try to stay in all realms of storytelling including tv including film pretty much if there's a story to be told we want to be in that we want to be perfecting our craft when it comes to storytelling 
Now, specifically to marketing, trying to sell something to another person via these means. Storytelling is the ultimate infrastructure of everything else you're doing. The whole narrative that you're crafting, the artifacts that you create, and, and artifacts for an anthropologist in business, artifacts would be like the stuff that you show on video, the print pieces that you put out. I mean, these are artifacts of your culture or of your story, the storyline right. that you're trying to sell. And But none of that can be created in a cohesive way, in a way that's understandable and something that people want to get behind, unless it's a story that has all the pieces that are important to a story. It, it needs it all. It needs the heroes. It needs the, the conflict. It needs some kind of resolution. For you and, and selling, you have a specific resolution in mind. They say never start writing a story. Like if you want to be successful in, in say, screenplay or novel writing, have the end in mind. Always write the ending before you even start in the beginning. Right. That's important because then you know where you're going with it, right? And you're not going to get to a point where you're telling a story and then it just falls apart. Does anybody remember the TV show Lost? Holy cow. <laughs> yeah, what we were all down. lost. <laughs> yes. That was a disservice. I mean, you pretty, pretty much talked to anybody who actually was invested in the TV show Lost. And they said the first two, three seasons was amazing. And then they just fell apart. And then it was unwatchable. Why? Because they didn't have the full storyline developed before they went into, you know, putting all this stuff together. Yeah. And so for people that are listening to this podcast in the world of sales, it's important that you understand your storyline. What are you doing? Why are you here? What, who are your heroes? And what are you fighting against? What, what's the thing that you are conquering? I love that. You're absolutely right. And I think that, you know, salespeople and sales professionals, sales managers oftentimes do have an easier time with marketing angles because they're always looking at the message as the customer because they know that they're okay. going to be the one delivering it. You know what I mean? So yeah, I've kind of have a marketing background. I say that with air quotes because I was just a salesperson trying to get leads. So I had to learn how to get our messages out there, but I was always looking at them from the perspective of what does this mean from the customer's perspective? Right. And, you know, I think that's what you're referring to with the end, because the end really is what, how are they going to perceive this? And they, and will the result ultimately be, you know, they put their hand up and say, yes, I'm interested. Right. right. And to kind of round it out and answer your original question, when we say that we have storytelling down to a science, I'm talking about the social sciences, which again, back to the multidisciplinary, I'm talking about everything that's language, study of culture, ethnography. I'm talking about psychology, all these things. Now, I'm not a psychologist. I'm an ethnographer. I'm an anthropologist. I'm not a psychologist. But you better believe that I have to study psychology to a very high level in order to understand why all this other stuff works. Mm -hmm. You know, just like you guys. You guys aren't psychologists, but I'm sure you guys are in all the papers trying to figure it out and trying to see what's, what's the most up-to-date research so that you can sort of pivot what you've been doing and make it that much better based on this new research. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's absolutely become a science for sure. So, I mean, we've been talking a little bit about the impact of the anthropological research in the marketing efforts. Are there any other ways that it has an impact? When I work for a customer, I'm making sure that I understand their storyline. What is your storyline? A lot of times when we have people 
kind of come to us, especially people that are maybe startups or maybe they haven't been that successful in the years that they've been open. One of the most valuable things that I can give them is being able to frame their storyline. Now, from that piece, right, creating storyline, why anthropology is important, some other ways that it's important when it comes to just, let's just say video marketing in general, is that you're getting so many of these bases covered when you're using that sort of uh, framework. Not only are you getting it right from a, again, psychological side, not only are you getting it right from a cultural side, and by the way, I don't know if I mentioned this already, but just because we're talking to other Americans, let's say we're talking to other Westerners, you still might not be getting the culture right. I mean, there are subcultures, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, there's cultures within cultures within cultures. So it's like, you gotta know who you're going after. And this goes down to the idea of targeting. A lot of time on my side is spent on properly targeting your audience. So if you come to me and I ask you, who are we targeting with this piece? Who are we targeting? That's one of the first questions I ask before we even get into concepts, because I want to know who you're actually going after and is it too many? Because a lot of times people try to create media that's going to hit everybody, all the people in their, in their market. And it's like, listen, that could be a recipe for disaster. You really need to focus on the way I say it. You got to have a target A and then an, a target B. And target B, it's okay if we get target B, but really we're all about target A. Not only does that help us from a nailing down the storyline, nailing down all the visuals that need to be part of that storyline, but it also ensures that we're able to gather metrics that are more meaningful. Because when you have a larger, more disparate target audience, it's harder to get the metrics that will help you craft an even better ad next time or marketing piece next time. Kyle, it's time for the wrap up. So Leo, as we wrap up here, I, I think that there's always a favorite, but, but we don't, we're crunched for time. So just in like maybe 30 seconds or to a minute, what is your most memorable video? Well, I've got a lot of videos. I'm going to go with the philanthropists uh, helping people in need sort of video, mm-hmm. because I think a lot of people need to hear this, especially nowadays. So we did a government contract probably about two years into the company Vicker Studios being open with the NIH. And Mm. it was for one of their divisions called SAMHSA. I think it was a substance abuse and mental health association. Mm. And it was awesome because it wasn't just one video. It was six different videos in six different cities all around the U S and it was highlighting the work that different schools and little pieces to this association, what they do for mostly kids are dealing with substance abuse, mental health issues, family issues. We basically highlighted them so that they could say what good work was being done through this program and how to get more people involved. And it was something that we had done with them for about four years. So every year we look forward to traveling the U.S. and, you know, getting these pieces. And, you know, it was, it was your, your basic kind of television interview style, but we were able to throw in a lot of great B-roll. My people, they went all over. I mean, they were in the desert. They were in Boston. They were beachside, Miami. They were all over the place. So they had a blast. And uh, the end of the day, we gave the U.S., I think, a really good view at what's being done for mental health issues and substance abuse and just the stuff that kids are dealing with right now that seems to be so pandemic. 
I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. That's such, such important work. It's great to hear. I'm glad you shared that. So if uh, our listeners are interested, should they reach out to you on LinkedIn or? Yeah, LinkedIn is awesome. I, that's a great way. I lo- and I love to hear, I love to link up with other, other creative types because you know what? No one has a monopoly on creativity. So I, I love learning new things. And as far as like business concerns, just go to the website, vickerstudios.com. And if you have any questions or anything, it's info at vickerstudios.com. And we are very responsive and love to start those conversations. So even if you're just looking to kind of figure it out, you know, just get some good ideas. That's great for us as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Leo, for being with us today. I think we got a very interesting glimpse into what really goes into the marketing and, and, and the video production of things. And I just really thank you for being here. And thank you both. That's all the time we have for today. For our listeners, be sure to subscribe to Asher Strategies Radio on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast venue. You can also ask Alexa or Siri to play Asher Strategies Radio. From now until we meet again, John Asher reminds us to please, please get out there and sell something. Mm-hmm.